Well, amen. Thank you, Kevin, and for leading us in a great time of praise. We, we are going to hear from our uh, young people at the choir in a little bit. Uh, looking forward to that. And, um, if you, and if you have your Bibles, you can be finding Romans chapter 4. Um, as we continue in these, this series on Romans. Uh, while you're finding Romans chapter 4, a couple of announcements. Uh, one, a little bit of uh, housekeeping that we need to do. This time of the year, we generally write a check for our building insurance for both locations that covers the entire year. It's about $6,000. But we have had uh, a lot of expenses this summer and uh, other repairs. And so we're not going to be able to do that without a little bit of help uh, that we don't usually get. So we're asking for the month of November up till Thanksgiving that you increase your giving and... Um, and keep us in mind for this. The reason it's important to write this check and pay for the whole year for both locations is because in the winter months, those utilities really go up. So uh, we, it's hard to pay that monthly premium plus those utilities. So let's, let's try to get this done. Uh, let's get it done in the next three or four weeks. Keep that in mind. Be praying about what God would have you to do to help us with that. We also are uh, doing beginning a series on Wednesday nights at 7. This is at our Bristol Road location on the book of Jude. If you'd like to join us for that, it's a good time to jump in. We'd love to have you. All right, if you have your Bibles there, Romans chapter 4, and I want to read verses 1 through 5. What then shall we say was gained or found by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Not before God. I mean, he could boast before men, I guess. Verse 3, For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 4, Now to the one who works, his wages, he gets wages, that's not a gift, but it's what he's due. Verse 5, and so to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as or unto righteousness. Paul has been laying out here the doctrine of justification or being made right with God by faith. That's in chapter 3. And he's contrasted it with 
the old covenant. You remember uh, we uh, did a couple of messages on chapter 3, verse 21, that there is a righteousness from God apart from law. Apart from the law. Now, Paul is concerned now that as he brings this new message of righteousness apart from the law, that it will be viewed as something that is somewhat novel and even illegitimate because it's not rooted in the Scripture. And so he reaches back in to the Old Testament Scripture and brings out one of the most famous illustrations, one of the most famous men that you could possibly bring out, and that's Abraham. He's known as the forefather of the Jews. Who better to show the legitimacy and proof of new covenant righteousness which is given to faith, than to reach back and get someone who even precedes the law of Moses. That would be Abraham. The Jews looked to Abraham as their central figure in Judaism. They believed Abraham kept the law and it hadn't even been given at this point. They literally believed that Abraham never sinned. In Genesis 26, 24, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, I am the God of Abraham. This is the way that God identified himself with Abraham. That's how you know who I am. I'm the God of Abraham. Could any of us put our name in there in the place that God would selectively use us as the identifying person in, in the earth? And yet God himself did that with Abraham. So the Jews elevated Abraham to a very high role in the plan of salvation. We're going to look in a few minutes here that we have. At first, who is this Abraham that Paul brings out as the illustration? And then what did Abraham discover? What did he find? It says here in verse 1, what shall we say that was found by Abraham? And then... The last thing we'll do is we'll, we'll look at Paul's conclusion in verse 4 and 5. And what, what did Paul say was the result of the illustration with Abraham? And what, what should be the conclusion we would draw from it? So let's look. First, who was Abraham? Well, we know that from reading Genesis 11 and 12... He's a figure in the Old Testament. He's about 75 years of age. And he lives up in a place called Ur. You are. Uh, if you looked on a map today, it would be modern day Iraq at the Euphrates River. 
And uh, one of the words that are used to describe the Jew in the Old Testament is Hebrew. They're Hebrews. Well, that word means someone from across the river. And they mean the Euphrates River in Iraq. And so Abraham was a man who lived up in Iraq uh, thousands of years ago. And here's what Joshua said about him. Joshua 24, verse 2 and 3. Joshua addressing the people of Israel said, Your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, that was his brother. And they served other gods. You notice that? In other words, he's in a family that worships idols. One of the big gods of uh, Ur of the Chaldees was the moon god. They would fall down and kneel before the moon. He said, then God says, And I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. So he was about 75. God came to him, called him out of Iraq, down through the fertile crescent into the land of Canaan, modern-day Israel. Um, we also know that when he got down there, almost immediately he decided to go down into Egypt. Down into Egypt, uh, in those days it was common to have a harem, a group of concubines. And so he told Sarah, his wife, he said, now they're going to think you're beautiful I don't know if he said, they're going to think you're beautiful. He probably said, you're beautiful. And they're going to want you, so they might kill me. So why don't you say that you're my sister? Tell them you're my sister. And she agreed to it. And uh, so the Pharaoh took Sarah. Abraham said, she's my sister. And then God smote him and he gave her back to Abraham and said, oops, sorry, didn't know. And Abraham said, it's okay. So he doesn't come across as a paragon of virtue. And that's as soon as he gets down there. God's already called him out of Ur of the Chaldees. And you know, one of the things, you may already know this, but that was Genesis 12. In chapter 20, he goes back to Egypt, takes Sarah with him, and does the same thing again with a different Pharaoh. Repetitive sin. He lied again. And I imagine Sarah said, uh, Abraham, if you go back to Egypt, you're going by yourself. I'm staying up here. We also know from Genesis 25 verse 6 that he had several concubines and children with them. And when he finally did have a son, Isaac, that he told all his concubines and children with those concubines, he said, I want all of you to go away. Oh, and here's some money. See ya. 
So he does not come across as a man who's an exemplary father and husband. Now, it obviously, those were the standards of that day, but he just looked like the rest of the sinners in Egypt and the surrounding areas. Now, his name meant a father of a multitude. Here he is uh, without any children. And his name is Abraham. In a day when children meant everything, because there was no social network or safety net, your children took care of you. So you can imagine meeting Abraham and they say, what's your name? And he says, I'm Abraham. And they say, oh, the father, Abba, Raham, father of a large group. And they look around and they say, well, where's your children? He said, I don't have any. That had to be embarrassing. And it continued all his life to live under that reproach. And I think if you read a little bit between the lines, there's a moment in his life when he was thinking about these things, perhaps in despair, and in Genesis 15, and Abraham says to God, Lord, you have given me no children. I'm a hundred years old now, and you have given me, I don't know who's going to get my inheritance. I have a servant. I've got these offspring of concubines. And God says, Abraham, come with me. He brings him out of the tent. And he says, look up at the sky. Abraham looks at the stars, the millions of stars. And God says, your offspring, your descendants, will be as numerous as the stars. If you could count the stars, then you could count your descendants. And Abraham was amazed. What's really amazing is it says... Genesis 15, 6, he believed the Lord and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. Now, that's the verse Paul quotes here in Romans 4. How did Abraham, our forefather, obtain righteousness? And what Paul says is, Go back to Genesis and look at it and you'll find he got righteousness by faith. What an amazing thing. Now, what did he find? This is what we would look at. What did he discover? Chapter 4, verse 1. What shall we say was found? The New International Version says what was discovered for some reason, the English standard put gained. But the Greek word here, and we know uh, y'all have heard me say the New Testament's written in Greek. The Greek word here is eureka. Do y'all know that word, eureka? What? There was a moment in time when Abraham discovered something. It was a eureka moment to Abraham. 
This word eureka is used in John 1.45 when Philip found Nathanael and said, We have found eureka, him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets have written, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. We have, we have an aha moment, a moment of clarity, an illumination of spirit. We have found him the Messiah. It's also used in Acts 11, verse 25, when Barnabas saw all these new Christian, Gentile Christians coming into the church, and he remembered there's a guy named Saul, now called Paul, who was a great teacher and called to Gentiles. So it says, Barnabas went out and looked for Saul Acts eleven twenty six, and when he found him, aha, Eureka, I got him. It was a long shot, but I discovered Saul, and I he brought him to the church in Antioch, and there they did teaching to these Gentiles. It's even referred to in Second John four, when John says, "I rejoiced greatly to." find Eureka, some of your children, walking in truth. What a discovery to see that the, your children walking in truth. So the word Eureka means to be surprised, to discover, to be delighted, to have a sudden delight, not always, but in general. And it's like we have figured out this long-standing problem and we exclaim, Eureka, I found it. I've discovered it. When the incomprehensible is certain has become understood. You know, the gold miners the, the, um, in California in the 1800s, when they would discover this a gold vein that would be very rich, and then they would shout out, Eureka, I found it. So California became known as a Eureka state where you can find it. And, and this is their seal. This, is the, this became their motto, the word Eureka. And they put it on the California seal because it was the place you could come and find wealth and discover it. Uh, now it's, uh, you can find a lot of things there now, but uh, in the 1800s it was gold. So this is the word Paul uses when he says, what shall we say was discovered? What was Abraham's eureka moment? What did he find? And then the answer was, he found, verse 3, what does scripture say? He believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham found that you can be righteous even though you've been an idolater, a, a bit of a scamp, a scallywag with concubines. You got children running around all over the Mesopotamian area. And yet, what? I can be righteous as a gift in a moment of faith. 
Now that, and he said, Eureka. Now that is what Abraham found, and that's what produced his exclamation of joy. Now what is the conclusion that Paul draws from this and that we should draw also? This is verse 4 and 5. Here's the, here's the effect. Here's the conclusion. Verse 4, Now to the one who works, his wages are not a gift. It's what he's due. And you understand that. And if you, let's say you make $500 a week and you worked hard all week long and on Friday afternoon when they are passing out the paycheck, your boss comes in and he says to you, I want to give you a birthday gift. This is my birthday present to you. And he hands you your check. Well, you might want to say, well, that's not exactly a gift. That's my wages. Now, Paul, that's what Paul is saying. To the one who works wages, you get wages. You don't get a gift. But this righteousness does not come by working. It, Abraham did not get this righteousness by getting circumcised. That came later in chapter 17 of Genesis. He was made righteous in chapter 15. This righteousness did not come by the law. The law hadn't even been given. This righteousness did not come by tithing, by ceremonies. It was in a single moment. It was not over a lifetime of obedience. He'd not exactly been obedient. Even though the Jews today, outside of Scripture, they will say that he was. But reading the story, his story in Scripture, you don't get it. But Abraham received it as a gift, not as a wage. That's the conclusion. It is not after he obeyed, after he was circumcised, after he offered up Isaac, or after he got rid of his concubines. It is before all of that and all those other things followed. That is what Paul says Abraham discovered and that's the conclusion we should reach. That way back in the Old Testament, the legitimacy of righteousness as a gift is seen in the life of Abraham. God justified, notice verse 5 the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies what? The ungodly. Oh, if God is willing to give a gift of righteousness and make declare righteous the ungodly, I can go to heaven. Amen? Who, anybody who will put faith in Christ can go to heaven. This means this wide sweep of the gospel swept me in with it. Because, you know, I, I, I look at my wife and I know her. I've lived with her over 40 years. So I know, I know her life. And it's hard to find something that she does wrong to be honest. 
Now, it's not hard to find stuff that annoys me. <laughs> but it's hard to say, oh, that's a sin. That's a sin. I, now, I don't know about her if she'd say that about me. I trust that it would be so, but I doubt it. There are some people you think, uh, you know, uh, if, they had, if there was a shot at it, they'd get it. But not me. And if you're here today and you're like, I really don't fit the Christian image. Let me tell you something. God declares righteous the ungodly. That sweeps me into the congregation of those who will get into heaven. Now, I want to conclude this morning with, with a, two passages. Uh, one is in Isaiah and one's here in Romans 4. But let, uh, let me just point this out to you. In Isaiah 51, verses 1 through 3. Listen to me. Isaiah wrote, you who pursue righteousness, if that's what you want, if you want righteousness, you who seek the Lord, if you want to know the Lord, he says, look to the rock from which you were hewn and the quarry from which you were dug. You who seek the Lord, want righteousness, look to the rock. And what does he mean by that? Look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah who bore you. Abraham was like chiseled out of rock-hard Babylon. He didn't come easy. God had to blast him out with his mighty call. And he led him. He was an idolater. And and he was hard. He was in the midst of hardness. And God chiseled him out of that rock and brought him down to, to the land of Israel. Flint is like Babylon. God can chip away until he has brought you out and made you part of the people of God. He says, if you want to pursue righteousness, look to Abraham and Sarah. And then he says, for he was but one when I called him that I might bless and multiply him. Uh, God is saying there, look how little he had. Look at how impoverished he was. He was just one person. Uh, verse 3, for the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts the waste places and makes her wilderness like an Eden, her desert like a garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving in the voice of song. Despairing Abraham with nothing but his empty idols was chiseled out of that rock like the waste place that he was. And God said, I am going to make Abraham this wilderness like the Garden of Eden. I'm going to produce joy and gladness, thanksgiving and song. From this hardness and wilderness and desert land, God says, I'm going to bring him out. From this solitary figure, I'm going to make him 
at descendants like the stars of heaven. The promise of God was staggering. If, and if we could grasp that, are you, do you ever feel that you are too sinful? That you are too old? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Are you too embarrassed? Are you married to someone that is worse than you. Abraham was married to Sarah. She was 90 years old when God said, I'm going to make your descendants like the stars of heaven. He was 100, but she was 90. Do you have a history of failure? Do you have a record? Do you experience, have you experienced tragedy? Are you, do you feel defined by it? My question is, and Paul's question to us is, can you take all of that background and baggage and look up to heaven and say, God is bigger than my failures. God is greater than all my sin. God is stronger than my weakness. God is wiser than my troubles. I believe God, and he will count that as a righteousness to you. To look away from yourself and look up to God. I said I had two passages. That's the Old Testament one. Now let me show you the New Testament here in Romans 4. And I'm just going to read this starting in verse 17. Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Things that do not exist. God can speak and they exist. Now notice, verse 18, when there was no hope, he believed and had hope that he would become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body good as dead. See, the possibility of being a righteous, holy man is, is as good as a hundred-year-old man having producing a descend, descendants that's as big as a nation. That's the same possibility of me being a righteous man. That's what Paul is using as his analogy. See, he did not consider his own body good as dead since he was 100 years old. And he did not consider the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith giving glory to God, fully convinced, verse 21, that God was able to do what He promised. That is why His faith was counted to Him as righteousness. Now notice, verse 23, but the words it was counted to Him was not written for His sake only, but, verse 24, our, for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in Him who raised Jesus from the dead.
That story was written for us. If we believe in Jesus, then we will be counted as righteous. And I, I just close today by asking you this. Have you had a eureka moment where you say, I can be righteous? It's the gift of God received in a moment of faith in Him. I can have a standing and a status before God that is the same as if I'd perfectly kept the law all my life. I can obtain that. It can be mine. Have you had an aha moment where you say, Eureka, I struck gold. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, my prayer is through the proclamation of this word and this gospel today that you will have had that eureka moment. Amen. Ushers, you get ready to come and uh, if our youth choir could come on up and, and uh, we're going to hear from them this morning and I am so proud of them and uh, I just appreciate all of them coming together today to sing to us about Jesus Christ as Lord. And when they are done, Preston, if you'll dismiss us in prayer. Yes. <laughs> Before they sing... Let's pray, and then the guys will receive our offering as they sing. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the day. Thank you for every one of these young people. Thank you for their moms and dads, their grandparents. And I pray your blessing upon them. And we give this offering back to you because you have given such a gift to us through Jesus Christ. Amen.
this morning. And thank you for guiding us to play and sing. You are dismissed. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh.